Daniel, Parakeh, Chapter 5. This is one of the most famous stories in the book of Daniel, the story of the handwriting on the wall. We're introduced to a new king, Belshazzar, who was the last Neo-Babylonian king before the empire is conquered by the Persians and the Medes, as we will see at the end of the book. As we go through the description of Belshazzar's feast, I want you to think about the book of Esther and the feast that's described there as well. Pasuk Aleph, Belshazzar Malka, Belshazzar the king, Avad Lecham Rab, he made a great feast, Lurav Ravanohei Alaf, for a thousand of his nobles, Velakabel Alfa Chamra and he drank wine before a thousand guests. This was not the behavior of royalty in ancient times. Normally, the king would not eat or drink together with the people. In fact, we know from Megillat Esther that it was unusual for people even to see the king's face. What happened during this feast? Belshazzar Amar B'Te'em Chamra. Under the influence of wine, Belshazzar gave a command. To bring the golden and silver vessels, which ones? The Hanfek Nebuchadnezzar Avuhi, that Nebuchadnezzar, his ancestor, had taken from the sanctuary in Jerusalem, meaning the Beit HaMikdash. So not only should they bring them and display them at the feast, but the Yishtun Bahon Malka, the Rabbanohi, Shiglata, Lechaneta. That the king and his nobles, his consorts, and his concubines should drink from them. And this is once again um, not appropriate behavior. We know again from Gilad Esther that in the ancient times, the king would not have feasts together with women, rather, they were separate parties. And here we have um, him engaging what we can almost picture to be an orgy with a religious overlay where they're bringing the vessels from the Beit HaMikdash and they're going to celebrate using those. So, Pasuk Gimel, Be'edyan ha'itiv maneh, as soon as the command, sorry, as soon as he makes the command, it's immediately fulfilled, and they bring maneh dahava, the golden vessels, dihin piku min hechala, that they have removed from the sanctuary of the temple of Hashem in Jerusalem, and they drank from it. Who drank from it? Malka, Virav, Vanohi, Sheglata, Lechenneta. And all these people that he had invited, the king, his nobles, his consorts, and his concubines, all drank from them. So now, as they're drinking, what do they do? Pasuk Dalit, Ishtiv Hamra, they're drinking the wine, Vishabcho, and they praise. Who do they praise? Lelohei Dahava Vachaspa Nechasha Parzala Aa Vavna. And they praise gods of gold and silver, copper, iron, wood, and stone. So while they're drinking, they praise their gods. So there's two sins happening over here. One is they're drinking from these sanctified vessels, which each religion would respect the sanctity of other religions as well. And on top of that, they're praising their, their gods while they do it. The Ababinel notes the difference between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that the destruction of, Hash- of the Beit HaMikdash was, ha- was Hashem's will, and that he fulfilled his mission, as we learn from Sefer Yirmiyahu. But Belshazzar, on the other hand, says it's his victory and his God's victory. Question is, why did Belshazzar make this feast? We could say possibly, according to Josephus, that it was just 
normal debauchery that went on in his in his um, empire, and that was one of the reasons that people were willing to overthrow him. The Gemara, however, states that he felt that it was a victory because the Beit Hamikdash had not been rebuilt. So, as they're feasting and praising their gods, what happens? Pasukhe Bashata just then, Nafka etzba'an diyad enash, the fingers of a human hand came out, v'chatvan lekabel nibreshta algira, and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace facing a candelabrum, dichtal hechala dimalka, on the palace of the king, umalka chazei, and the king saw, pas yedei dichaspa, and the king sees the handwriting. So it's written near a candelabrum on the plaster where everybody can see what is being written. Notice over here, the king's palace is described as Hechla di Malka, while in the previous verse, we had the Hechla di Beit Eloha, the palace of the king of kings. And here we have the earthly king. So what happens when he sees a handwriting? Pasuk Vav. Edyan Malka, Ziveu Shinohu, the king's appearance then changed. And his thoughts bewildered him. And the, the belt around his waist, Misharzin, um, opened up. And his knees were knocking once against the other. His face changes, he's confused, his muscles slacken, and his knees start to knock against each other. We have an image of somebody in total panic and fear. What does he do? So he calls out loud, to bring the astronomers, the Chaldean stargazers, the ones who spoke to demons. And the king exclaimed, to the sages of Babel, any person who could read the writing, and tell its interpretation, will be clothed in royal purple. And he'll be given a chain of gold around his neck. And he will rule over one-third of the kingdoms. Okay, He is very scared and he calls out and offers a reward to anybody who can interpret this, this, this vision. He's offered royalty. Um, he's offered to wear purple. He's offered the gold necklace. Very similar to the reward that is offered to Yosef when he is able to interpret Paro's dream. Now, what does it mean that he'll rule over a third of the kingdom? Possibly that a third of the kingdom will be given to him. Malbim suggests that he would be the third in line for the throne. And another possibility based on the Dat Mikra is that he would become part of the three rulers of the kingdom, a triumvirate. So he would be one of those three. So they all come in, obviously, and they want this reward. So Pasuk Chet, Ed, all the king sages came in. They could not read the writing. Nor to give its interpretation to the king. They were unable to read it. What was so difficult about reading it? The Gemara in Sanhedrin states four different opinions. One is that it was written in Atbash. In other words, instead of an Aleph, a Tap was substituted. Instead of a Bet, a Shin was substituted. So it was in code. And what they saw in front of them was Yitat Yitat Adach 
Pukhamat, which is even harder to understand than what they saw, what was written, which we will see in a moment what was actually written. Another opinion in the Gemara attributed to Shmuel is that the letters were divided in three groups and they were written top to bottom, so it was difficult. Rabbi Yochanan states that they, each word was written backwards and Rabbi Ashi states that each word was just uh, scrambled so people could not understand it. Rav Sadia Gaon suggests that it was written in Ketav Ashuri and Josephus, sorry, in Ketav Ivri in the ancient Hebrew script, and Josephus agrees. Um, there is another commentary um, which is attributed to Rav Sadia, which basically follows the opinion of Shmuel. The Abarbanel says both that it was written in the Ketav Ivri and it was mixed up in, 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 within each letter. So it was very difficult for people to understand what was going on. It's interesting that if you look at Rembrandt's famous picture of the handwriting on the wall, it seems to be that he follows the opinion of Shmuel that things were written in a downward fashion. So nobody can understand this. It seems to be simple, but nobody can figure out what it is. So Belshazzar gets very upset. Pasuk tet. Adyan malka Belshazzar sagi mitbahel. Then the king becomes greatly bewildered. Vizivuhi shanin alohi. And his face gets even more change. And his nobles as well are confused. Everybody, there's an uproar. They're very, very upset. They don't know what to do. So then the queen comes and has an idea. Pasuk Yud. As a consequence of the words of the king and his nobles, the queen came into the party room, into the, into the house of, into the room of drinking. Anat Malkita, and she exclaimed, Va'amre, Va'meret, and she said, Malka la'al min chayei, let the king live forever. Al yivhaluch rayonach, vizivach al yishtanu. Don't be upset, don't be bewildered, and don't let your appearance be changed. So the queen came in now and she has an idea. The Abarbanel suggests that this was the queen mother, since we know that the queen was busy partying already um, from the previous verses, but instead the queen mother came in, and she's upset that her son is upset, but she has an idea. And what's her idea? Pasuk Yud Aleph. There is a man in your kingdom, who has the spirit of holy God upon him. And in the days of your grandfather or your forefathers, Nahari, Nahiri, Nahiru, sorry, and in the days of your forefathers, brilliance, understanding, and godly wisdom was found in him. And the king of Uchadnezer, your ancestor, Rav Khartumim Ashafin Kazain Gizarin Hakime Avuch Malka and he and Vuchadnetzar, your fourth your forefather, made him the chief of all the magicians, all the wise men, all the astrologers. So she says that we have a resource over here. He's already in in your kingdom, let's go ahead and find him. And notice that she uses a description, Ruach Elohim, which is the same as the description of Yosef when he interpreted the dream. Um so he is a person who is able to understand things and is clear on what is going on, and he has a godly wisdom. So what does, what's her suggestion? Call Kabel de Ruach Yatira, 
Okay, as long since since Ruach Yatiro Uminda Bisachal Tuni Mifasher Chalmin Vachvait Achidin Umeshre Kitrin Hishtakripe, since extraordinary spirit, intelligence, understanding, dream interpretation, the ability to solve riddles, and the ability to um, figure out to resolve any kind of difficulties are found in Bidaniel, in this Daniel, Timachasam Shemei Belteshatzar, who the king had renamed Belteshatzar, Ka'an Daniel Yitkarei Upishrei Yahachmei. So let Daniel now be called, and he will give you the answer. Since he has all these different attributes, Let's give, let's call him and he will give the answer. Why does she bother mentioning that his name was changed to Belteshazzar? It could be to remind us that um, he has to have absolute submission to the welfare of the kingdom since he was appointed by the king as, a, as an official. Or the name Belteshazzar means keep, that may Bel keep the lives of the life of the king safe, and um, that would be a good omen. It's an interesting question, why did she know about Daniel and Belshazzar didn't know about him? The Ibn Ezra suggests it's because she's the queen mother, and therefore she remembered the history. Another possibility is that Belshazzar was not from the direct line of Nebuchadnezzar, and therefore he wasn't aware of what had happened in those days. In fact, that agrees with Josephus, who says that Belshazzar was Nabonides' um, uh, son, and that was not part of the Nebuchadnezzar lineage. Pasukid Gimel, so what happens? Be'edan Daniel hu al-kadam malka. Daniel's brought in front of the king. Ane malka va'amar Daniel. The king exclaims and says to Daniel, Antu Daniel, are you the Daniel dimin b'nei galuta di Yehud from the children of exile of Yehuda di ha'ite malka avi min Yehud that my forefather, the king, had brought from Yehuda. Once again, he reminds him of the exile status that he was in. And he also um, has to ask him who he is because he didn't recognize him because Daniel had no longer was no longer in court. Vishmeit, and I've heard Allah about you. Tiruach Elohim Bach, that you have a spirit of God upon you. Vinihiru Visakhaltanu Vikochma Yatira Hishtakreitba that you have brilliance and understanding and extraordinary wisdom. So he praises him less descriptively than the queen, because He's looking down. He's not sure exactly who this person is. The queen knew who he was, but he's not so sure. Pasuk tetva, v'cha'an, and now, hu'alu kadamai chakima ashpaya, were brought before me sages and astrologers, dichtava dinayikrun, that they should read this writing, upishra lahodatuni, and to tell me the interpretation, v'lo chahalin, pshar milta lachvaya, and they were not able to tell me the interpretation of this matter. So he's explaining what his problem is, and now he gives him a suggestion, Tedzayin. Ve'anna, but I, Shim'et Allah, have heard about you, Ditikul pishrin limifshar v'kitrin limishrei, that you are able to provide interpretations and to resolve difficulties, literally, to untie knots. Ke'an, now, if you're able to read this writing, and to tell me the, the interpretation, you'll wear royal purple, and I will give you a golden chain around your neck, and you will rule over one-third of the kingdom. So he offers him the reward once again. And here we can again look at the dip, the 
as we look at Daniel's relationship with Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar, we will see a difference in the way Daniel reacts here to Belshazzar as opposed to previously when he had spoken to Nebuchadnezzar. Pasuk Yidzayin. Be'edana na Daniel. Daniel then replied, Ve'amar kadam malka, and said before the kings, Matanetach lecha lehevion. Keep your gifts. Let your gifts be yours. V'nivaz betach la'achran hav. And give your rewards to others. Biram, but katva ekre. I will read the writing. Lemalka to the king. Upishra ohadana. And I will tell you the. I will tell the king his interpretation. You almost get the feeling that he's really um, very disrespectful to Belshazzar. He's saying, "I doesn't say he'll help him. He doesn't take the gifts." It's probably that he just doesn't respect Belshazzar in the way that Nebuchadnezzar, that he respected Nebuchadnezzar. And he continues, Pasuk Yudchet, Ant Malka, you, O king, Eloha ila'ama chutar vivutavi yikrei bahadarai yahayvlin Nebuchadnezzar avuch. The supreme God has given kingship and greatness and honor and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your forefather. Everybody was subservient to him. Notice that here there are four gifts that was given. He's saying that gifts were given to, to Nebuchadnezzar. Umin And because of the greatness which God had given him, all people, nations, and languages used to tremble and were afraid of him. Who he wished he could kill. And who he wished he could keep alive. And those who he wished he would raise up. And those who he, he desired he would lower. Merely attributing to Nebuchadnezzar powers that we attribute to Hashem as well. Um, that God can, controls everybody's fate. But realizing we know that Nebuchadnezzar knew that this power came from Hashem. And when Nebuchadnezzar became arrogant about this, what happened? And his spirit was hardened to rebel. He was taken off from the royal throne and honor was taken from him. And we have the fulfillment of the prophecy in the previous parak. Umim b'nei anashat read, and he was driven from mankind. V'livaveim chevata shaviv, and his heart was made like a like an ox, like a wild animal. V'im ardayim midora, midora, and he lived with wild donkeys. And he, they fed him grass like they feed oxen. And his body was washed with dew of heaven. Until he came to the recognition that God, the Supreme God, rules over the kingdom of men. And whoever he desires, he appoints it. So when Nebuchadnezzar finally realized and recognize Hashem. However, you, in contrast, Nebuchadnezzar, Pasuk Chavbet, don't get it. The aunt and you, Berei Belshazzar, his, his son or his descendant, Belshazzar, Lo heshpalt livavvech, you did not humble your heart. Kol kabel dichol danayadat, even though you knew all this. The Shmaya, and against the Lord of Heaven, Hitromamta, you exalted yourself. Ulema'anei dibeita kadamech, 
and you had the vessels of his house brought before you, the aunt and you, the rabbi and your your nobles, sheglatech, your consorts, vilechantech, and your concubines, chamrashetin bahon, drank wine from them, and to gods of silver, gold, copper, iron, wood, stone, you praise the lochazin that cannot see, and don't hear, and don't know. That's who you gave praise to. But God in whose hand your soul is, and all your ways belong to him, you did not praise. So you went ahead and you did the opposite. You didn't praise your gods, but you didn't praise God who holds your life in his, in his hands. And notice that he's speaking here in the second person, and I can picture in not too respectful a tone. So you didn't recognize that you are held in God's hands. Therefore, what happened? Pasuk chavdalid, be'edyan, and therefore. Min kadumuha shalach pasadiyada. From before him was sent forth a palm of a hand. V'chatva dinei rashim. And this, in, this writing was inscribed. And now he reads the text. Now he's going to read the text of what was written. V'dana chitava di rashim. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Minei, minei, tekel, ufarsin. Minei, minei, tekel, ufarsin. Now he's going to explain what these words mean, and we will follow along. Pasuk Chavav. Dinei Peshar Milta. And this is the interpretation of the words. Minei, counted. Mana Eloka Malchutcha Vahashlama. God has counted off the years of your kingship and decided that it's now over. Why does it say Minei, Minei, twice? The Rav Gaon points out that it was, that it, it was counted twice to be careful because this was a terrible decree that was going to be happening. And now the hashlama, your kingship is over. Tikel, what does tikel mean? Tikleta b'moznaya, you were weighed in the scales. V'hishtakhat chasir, and you were found lacking. You do not have any merits when you were weighed in the scale. And we can all picture the Rambam scale before the high holidays where Hashem weighs our deeds to see if we are worthy or not. And finally, what is parsin? Pires. Prisat malchutcha. Your kingdom is being broken up. V'yivat lemadai uparas. And it will be given to Medea and to Persia. Your kingdom is now going to be totally taken away from you and handed over, the first ruler being Darius the Mede, as we know from Josephus. The word... Um, the word paras also gives us the sense of something being sliced and cut up, but it also evokes the Persian paras um, empire, the Persian empire. So we have that hint over here. The, notice that there's both counting and weighing. Counting is there's a limited span for the Babylonian power, but the weighing is an assessment of their deeds. And this evokes, I think, the idea that Hashem says he will bring Mashiach in its time, or I will hurry it. In its time, if we don't deserve it, but I will hurry it if we do deserve it. And this really, as we go through this, we'll see now what the what Belshazzar's reaction will be. Pasuk 29, okay, um, Okay, Ba'edyan Amar Belshazzar, and then Belshazzar kept his word, he gave a command, Vilbishul Daniel, and they dressed Daniel, Agivna, 
on royal purple, the Hemancha di Dahava al Tsavare, and a gold chain around his neck, the Hachruzu Aluhudi Lahava Shlit Taltabimalchuta, and they proclaimed about him that he would be the king the ruler of a third of the kingdom. But it doesn't really do Belshazzar too much good because Pasuk Lamid, Bebelaila, that very night, Kitil Belshazzar Malkakazda'a, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. So that very night, Belshazzar is gone, he is killed. Who kills him? The Rabag says that he died in battle, killed by a Persian or Median soldier. Josephus says that one of his own servants killed him. And notice that it, um, that it's a fulfillment of the prophecy which he had, but he didn't have time to prepare himself, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who was given a warning and had a chance to possibly um, subvert or at least defer the judgment. I'd like to take a second just to compare Belshazzar and Achashverosh. I think that Belshazzar really foreshadows the Achashverosh party as well. In both cases, we have a big party, we have wine, we have a queen who changes the outcome, we have the finger of God here, Ezpa Elohim, and I think that in the story of Esther, we have Esther saying, Haman harahazeh, this mean Haman, and she's pointing to him, so there's a finger there as well. But with Belshazzar, I think it's more of a religious message, a religious issue. With Achashverosh, it's more of a national issue. Belshazzar merits to get a direct message from God, which ends with destruction. Achashverosh, living in a time of Hester Panim, where God's presence is not directly involved, um, also merits to succeed at the end. The end of the Megillah describes his success as well. However, the Gemara chooses to connect the two and in fact um, relates that the, the story of, of Achashverosh's party is quite similar to Belshazzar's party. We will continue next time with what happened to Daniel when Dariavesh Hamadi, Darius the Mede, takes over the kingship as a successor to Belshazzar.